Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. We are in part two of our series on the Holy Spirit. I really was impressed with the Lord several months ago to target August as a time to, to minister about the Holy Spirit. It is a core belief of who we are. It is one of our values. We believe in the person and working and power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I know that that can be a confusing, perhaps even controversial subject, um, but I know it's important for us to understand the, the full gospel, amen, the things that God has for us. Um, I'm asking you and have been to just open your heart up, come to all these uh, messages on the Holy Spirit. If you can't make it, go online, uh, get the information. I don't want to spend a lot of time in review, but I know that there's been a, a lot of different ideas out, out there about the Holy Spirit, and some of you perhaps might even say, oh, really? I was really liking it here. And so I just want to encourage you all, like it even more when you're full of the Holy Ghost, amen? And I know God's a good and faithful God. He's not a crazy, spooky, weird God, and just because it seems to be packaged that way at times, those people that package it, they, they were weird, spooky, goofy before they got filled with the Holy Spirit, all right? So just so you know that. Um, but I want to present it to you, hopefully being able to understand, un, so you can understand it better uh, in, in a simple way. Man, man makes it complicated. Um, next to salvation, it's the next best gift God offers his, his people. Amen? And so, in fact, salvation is the only requirement for it. But is it a heaven and hell issue? No, it's not. And I'll stand here and say, it is not a heaven and hell issue. All you need to get to heaven is to receive the blood of Jesus for your forgiveness of sin. Amen. Aren't you glad for the salvation purchased by Jesus Christ? Amen. I tell you, that's the main thing, the most important thing. But you know what? That gets us into heaven one day. But while we're here on the earth, we can have a little heaven on earth through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. He empowers us to live a victorious life. And one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to uh, enable us, empower us then to reach other people so they can experience salvation as well. And so again, I just want to unpack some things for you over these next few weeks. We've got two more to go after today. I want to encourage you again, just to open your heart up to receive. And again, I know that there's a lot of misinformation, misunderstanding. I, I know there's a lot of abuse and misuse. And sadly, unfortunately, that is true. Uh, but you make a decision for yourself. Um, let me uh, get the scripture to you and then you decide. But if, if you don't agree with me at the end of whether it be today or the series, that's okay. As for me and my house, we embrace the person and power of the Holy Spirit. I have uh, you know, ever since I can remember, and my children too, and so, uh, but we can still win people for Christ together, amen? Some of these things shouldn't divide the body of Christ. Let's stay focused on uh, winning people and making sure that less people go to hell and more go to heaven, amen? All right, so Isaiah 60, we launched this out last week. It is our foundational text throughout the course of the series. Let me read that for you again. Arise, shine, wake up, get up, be ready, be aware, for your light has come and the glory, say glory, we sang the song, show me your glory. You know what that really means, Lord, show me your glory. It means I want to experience all of who you are. In fact, the word glory is the word kavod, and it means weightiness or weight. It really literally means the full weight of who you are, God. I want to experience the full weight of who you are. I don't want to just know about God. I want to experience him for myself. And that's what God always intended. He intended for every person on the planet to have a personal encounter with him through his son, Jesus, and then to walk in the fullness of what he has for every person. He intends or he would like for everyone that calls Jesus Christ as Lord to experience the fullness of who he is in our life. The fullness of his love, the fullness of his power, the fullness of his freedom, the fullness of his peace, the fullness of his joy, amen. That's what he wants for each and every person. He's not withholding it from you. There's things that you need to do to engage it, embrace it. And one of those ways is through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. 
So he goes to say, the glory of the Lord, the full weight of who I am, will rest upon you or appears over you. And it goes on to say this. Why is that important? Because we live in a dark world. So it's important for you to experience the full weight of who he is in your life because darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory, the full weight, life, love, and power of who he is appears over you. And the result of that is this. When that happens, here's what happens. That nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So basically is what he's saying. I desire for you to have the fullness of who I am because you live in a dark world. And then when you walk in the fullness of who I am, that glory in your life of God will shine brightly where it will attract people out of darkness. That is our mission. That is why we exist. That's why we're here. So basically what God is saying, the world's getting darker. The Bible talks about that. That's not doom and gloom. We're in this world. We're not of this world. But in the midst of that, make sure you're embracing and engaging God in his fullness because the darker the world gets, he needs a church to shine brighter. He needs people to shine brighter. Why? Because he wants more people to come out of darkness into light. And the only way that you and I, or the main way that you and I will walk in God's fullness is by engaging the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we are our triune being. We're made up of three parts. God created man that way, spirit, soul, and body. So our body is incapable of receiving God in his fullness. God is too great. His glory is too good. He's too perfect. There's no body that could contain it. We would die. We would explode. In fact, we see an example in the Old Testament where Moses longed to see God's physical form. And so God showed him a glimpse, a second glimpse, kind of the backside as he was passing by. And just that glimpse transformed Moses to to be an older man. And just, he couldn't contain, his physical being could not contain the person and power of God. The Bible says our mind cannot comprehend the vastness and greatness of our God. And quite frankly, I'm glad for that. (laughs) I want to serve a God that is well beyond my ability to comprehend right? I mean, I don't want to bring him down to my size and therefore my brain would limit God. And sadly, that's what happens a lot in our world today. But God is bigger than that, bigger than you could ask, imagine, or dream. He is greater than all that. Your mind is incapable of grasping God in his fullness. Your body is incapable of grasping God God in his fullness. But God in his infinite wisdom created the only living thing on the planet with the capacity to receive all of who he is in his fullness, he put a spirit inside of each and every one of us. And when we become born again, the Bible says our spirit's recreated in the image of God and God comes to live and abide inside of us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, our spirit man has the capacity through God's divine design to receive and walk in the fullness of who God is, amen? And it's through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. So it's extremely important for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is and and embrace that relationship in a greater measure than we currently are to walk in more of who God is in our life. And so that's for you and I to understand and to walk in. So that's kind of what we're doing. The Holy Spirit enables us to walk in the fullness of who God is. And so go ahead and turn to Acts 1-3 for me. Acts 1-3. Understand this, God always intended for you and I to have the fullness of who he is. And the only way that's possible that we have the capacity for that is through our spirit man in communion with him and engaging the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at Acts 1 verse 3. Here's what it says. After his suffering, this is Jesus. After the suffering of Jesus, he died on the cross. He went to the grave and he rose again, the Bible says, came back to walk on the earth for another 40 days. It says he presented himself 
to them, to his disciples, after Jesus suffered and died and rose again, he presented himself to the disciples and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse four. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. I have something, God has something he wants to give you. We've talked about this, my father's promises to you, which you've heard me speak about. In fact, in the uh, last supper before Jesus was taken away to be crucified, during that last supper, the majority of that conversation he had with his disciples was about the person and power of the Holy Spirit. You can go back and read John 14, 15, 16 and see that Jesus spoke mainly about the person of the Holy Spirit during that discussion. So I've talked to you about this before. For John baptized with water, there's a baptize of repentance, forgiveness of sin, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he says, go wait in Jerusalem and in a few days, the gift I've been talking about, the free gift from Father God, like salvation, it's different. It's not the baptism with water or of repentance, but it's another gift that my God, my Father will give you. We've talked about it before, he says. And it says that he appeared for 40 days. Now understand 40 is an important number in the scripture. It is the number of preparation. He appeared for 40 days. Why did Jesus come back to the earth after he was, why was he resurrected on the earth? Well, one thing he wanted to do was build his faith in his disciples who just thought everything had ended. What happened? Where is he? We, we thought all this was gonna, and he did signs, wonders, and miracles, and now he's dead and gone. Could it be over? And Jesus showed up and said, no, it's not over. We're just getting started. Now, again, the number 40 is a number of preparation. So when you see that in the scripture, you'll know. So he spent 40 days preparing his people, his followers, for an event that was to take place. He says, wait in Jerusalem, I'm here to prepare you. I came back, I'm walking, talking, I'm eating, I'm convincing you that I'm alive for the fact, or for the point, the purpose of preparing you to receive something that you're gonna need. Come on, Jesus is always preparing us, getting us ready for the next level, the next place in our life. And so he walked and talked with them to get them ready to receive some. It's a gift, I've promised. We've talked about it. We talked about it at the Last Supper. You've heard me mention it. I'm here to prepare you for that, Jesus says. And so he's getting his church, his followers ready to receive something that he promised. And it says another baptism, different than water baptism. Water baptism is of repentance or salvation, forgiveness of sin. It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit, a baptism with power. So he spent 40 days preparing them for an event. And what I want to explain to you is why and why this is so important and, and how he desires this, why he desires this for our life. And understand that this is not something just created by man out of the New Testament and a new doctrine. And it's not. It, this was established by God from the beginning of the time, of time. The Holy Spirit has always been with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In fact, in the second verse of the scripture, you see him working. And so this isn't made up by man. This was intentional, purposeful, and meaningful for everyone to walk in today. But unfortunately, this is a place where a lot of people are confused. So let me help bring some clarity to you. And let me do that by going back to the Old Testament so you can see where he's establishing some of these things that we're seeing now in the New Testament and that they are still for us today. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people celebrated three major holidays. They celebrated others, but three major holidays. They were put in remembrance of things that happened in times past. It would be like our holidays today. We celebrate the 4th of July. We're remembering the freedom that was won uh, on Independence Day. Uh, we celebrate Thanksgiving and we're remembering when the pilgrims, if you will, came to establish a new colony on religious freedom. Uh, Christmas, we're remembering the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, it's got commercialized, I understand, but really we're remembering that Jesus came to the earth born as a savior, amen? And so the same thing, the same idea is happening. He's 
putting them in remembrance as people about significant things that happened in their history. So there's three feasts that they celebrated. The first feast was to remember the day when they were once slaves, but now they were free. And they were slaves, and Moses went to free his people. Let my people go, God said. And so Moses uh, was there. They went through 10 plagues before finally Pharaoh released him. Now, if you'll remember the story or remember the movie, (laughs) then you'll you'll understand kind of how this all plays out. But at the end, the last plague was the angel of death was to come amongst the people there in Egypt, and every home that did not have the sacrificial lamb's blood over the doorpost, the angel of death would visit and the firstborn would be taken. However, those that had blood from the sacrificial lamb over the doorpost, the angel of death passed over. So the first feast is the feast of Passover, and it's still celebrated today. In fact, we do acknowledge it in Easter. It's the deliverance, the freedom. 400 years of slavery and bondage, then they were set free from bondage and slavery, just as we've been set free, and death is passing us over because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, amen? So he's like, I want you to remember this, and they always celebrated it. In fact, Jewish people still do today. It is still celebrated, and it is Easter, or what we know it as. 50 days later, they were to celebrate another holiday called the Feast of Pentecost. We're gonna come back to this one. The Feast of Pentecost. They were out delivered from Egypt, so they're out wandering the desert, or they're out on their way as God's leading them, and he brings them to the base of a mountain 50 days later. At the base of Mount Sinai, Moses goes up, and if you remember that great Cecil B. DeMille movie, The Ten Commandments, Moses goes up. There's thunder, there's lightning, there's smoke, there's fire, and then God writes the Ten Commandments with a hand or a finger of fire on stone tablets that Moses carries down the mountain. And really the commandments were a new way of living, how they were to live a godly life or a godly way. And so they they stop and remember when the law was given and they call it the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days after the Feast of Passover. And so we know the next one would be, well, maybe we don't, but let me tell you, I know the next one to be the Feast of Tabernacles. So they've been delivered because of the Passover. They go to the mountain 50 days later. God gives them the law, or 10 commandments, the Feast of Pentecost. And now they are headed to the promised land. And we kind of know the story. They didn't make it. They sent spies. And so they're wandering for 40 years. There's our number 40. They had to be prepared to get into the promised land. And so um, all of a sudden now they're, they're celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. So the Feast of Tabernacles, it was celebrating the fact that they were no longer wandering without a permanent home and they were headed into the promised land to a permanent home. And so they're celebrating a permanent home. No longer wandering aliens, if you will. Now we have a permanent home. Okay, so having said that, now the Feast of Passover, we can understand because of Easter and that all makes sense and Jesus died. His shed blood freed us from sin and death, amen. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, we would understand that to be happening one day. It hasn't happened yet. Well, we're no longer wandering this earth as aliens and strangers and pilgrims, but we have a home of eternal, uh, eternal home in heaven one day, and one day we'll be there. And that's the Feast of Tabernacles. But the problem we have is with this middle feast, the Feast of Pentecost. But it's extremely important for you and I to understand. So I'm giving you a lot of background because I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take God's word for it. So uh, understand, as some might say, and here's the pushback at times, well, the law's been done away with, and Jesus came to redeem us from the law, and we're not here to live out the law. So how do we go back to the Old Testament and find things that apply to life today, especially pertaining to the Holy Spirit and what we're to be living by or how we're to be living today? But understand this, when you look at the Old Testament feasts, we need to understand Jesus came to fulfill them, not to abolish them. 
or to fulfill Old Testament laws, not to abolish them. He didn't do away with them, he fulfilled them, he says. In other words, we don't follow the practice per se, but we follow the principles. We follow the principles. The principles are still alive today. Not the practice, but the principles. Matthew 5, 17 says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Meaning we don't follow the practice, but the principles. So in order to bring some understanding about the Holy Spirit, let's talk about these for just a moment and see how they were fulfilled and how they apply in our lives today. The first one, as I said, Feast of Passover. Characteristics of the Passover feast. Let me give those to you. The Passover feast was characterized by these things. The Passover lamb was sacrificed at 9 a.m. in the morning. Every morning, 9 a.m., a perfect spotless lamb is sacrificed. The blood was shed, and it was sacrificed at 9 a.m. The lamb was then put in the oven later that day at 3 a.m. and I mean, sorry, 3 p.m. and was prepared for family and friends to partake of. The lamb was put in the oven at 3 p.m. that day always, and the sacrifice through the shed blood of the lamb, it covered their sins. It didn't completely remove them. You couldn't see the sin anymore because it was covered by the blood. The blood covered it. It was still there, but it was covered symbolically by the blood. Now notice how Jesus fulfilled the characteristics of this feast. Jesus was the sacrificed lamb, amen? He was the lamb that was slain, the Bible says, and he was put on the cross at 9 a.m. in the morning. 9 a.m., Jesus was put on the cross. Jesus was put in the tomb at 3 p.m. He died and was laid in the tomb at 3 p.m. And Jesus' sacrifice, the shedding of his blood, didn't cover our sins, but removed our sins. In fact, the principle you'll see will take everything a step farther. The sin has no longer been covered. It is completely removed. Amen. That's good news for you and I. Jesus removed the sin from our lives. He didn't cover it. He removed it. They're gone. Now, most of us don't have a problem with that. We don't have any problem with understanding that. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. You get rid of the old yeast. At the the end, the last phrase says, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. The second feast, the Feast of Pentecost. And this is really misunderstood. In fact, this word Pentecost really kind of brings in a different idea to our minds. I don't know what you think about when you think of Pentecost or Pentecostal. I mean, we grew up Assemblies of God, but we knew a lot of Pentecostals, but we knew them to be even crazier than the Assemblies were, right? I mean, it's like Pentecostal there, the crazy people. Those are the holy rollers, you don't tell anybody when you're Pentecostal, right? Well, you didn't have to. They could tell. You didn't wear makeup and you, you know, wear long dresses and hair was up in a bun and all that kind of stuff. And we think of Pentecost or Pentecostal as just some crazy stuff. And the sad thing is I think that just the enemy has done a great job of the packaging of the Holy Spirit scares people off. And sadly, it, it makes a lot of people, causes a lot of people to miss something that's amazing and beautiful that God always intended for all of his followers, and so the Pentecost or Pentecostal literally means, pente means five, and the Greek word kaste means tenth, or five to the tenth, meaning 50. And we've become leery or skeptical of something in scripture because of the way it's been packaged by others. Holy rollers, tongues. Well, we don't want to tell people what kind of church, you ever, anybody ever ask you where to go to church and what you try and describe what kind of church that is? God bless you, I'm praying for you, because me too, I, sometimes I'm like, well, where do you go to church? Well, I go to Tree of Life Church. Well, what kind of church is it? So, well, I, it, we believe the Bible. We believe the Bible. You believe the Bible? You have the Bible? Well, what part? All of it? <laughs> Table of contents to maps? <laughs> All of it? You know what they're really trying to say, right? Do you speak in tongues? Are you one of those tongue talkers? 
Because often in the conversation, well, what, what do you do? What, what do you believe there? Are you one of those tongue-talking? Are you, we're charismatic. But we, just because we believe in the gifts, charisma means gifts. Well, are you, well, you, well, we do that. You know, you won't even still go there. It's like they have to pull it out of you. And, because we've just created some kind of image because of the packaging. You know, and I just tell people now because I like the shock value. Yeah, I speak in tongues. I don't handle snakes, but I speak in tongues. It's, just, it's different. It's a different thing we do. But it's a powerful, beautiful expression, but we've created so many crazy things associated with it. And we think it's like just been made recently, just, and it's not. You go back and see so many beautiful things. That's why I'm trying to walk you through this Old Testament passage here, these ideas about the, about the feast. But what we've been afraid of, Pentecostal, really just literally means 50. That's all it means. So the holiday was supposed to take place 50 days after Passover. Let me give you some characteristics of the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days after they were set free, after the, the shed blood released them from their captivity, 50 days later, God leads them to the bottom of Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up and, 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 and ascends the mountain, and at that moment in time, a cloud descended with a loud noise and fire, and God wrote his law on tablets of stone, and then Moses came down with these tablets and saw them worshiping idols, and the Bible says the ground opened up and 3,000 people died that day. And God established his people into a nation or into a, the people of Israel. Gave them an identity. How is this fulfilled in the New Testament then? On the day of Pentecost, they went up into the upper room. The Holy Spirit descended with a loud sound as a rushing, rushing mighty wind with fire that rests upon each and every one of them. And God wrote his law on our hearts through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people didn't die. They got saved when the disciples poured out in the streets and people came to Christ. And at that moment in time, God established his church. His church was birthed and born then. The meaning and power of that day are still wrapped up in these characteristics. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says this. Listen to this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, gathered in one place, the upper room, 50 days after the Passover, goes on to say this. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came. Sound, loud noises came. And all of a sudden the whole house was filled where they, where they were seated. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each and every one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God enabled them. You still get the same thing. God has been using Old Testament to show us his desire in the New Testament. The tongue thing has been around. God's intended his people to have the Holy Spirit or the fullness of who he is from the beginning of time for everybody. And so you see the Passover, the freedom that came through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and then you see the next working of it, the Feast of Pentecost. It's an infilling of Holy Spirit and power, the fullness of who God is. 50 days after Passover. Let me give this to you. 40 days Jesus was on the planet, and then he ascended to heaven. 10 days they spent in the upper room to equal the 50 days, so they would, that would happen 50 days after the Passover on the Feast of Pentecost. We'll come back to this in just a moment. Let me finish the feast out for you because if you're like me, you won't be able to sleep if you don't know what the third one. He said there was three. What's the third one? Okay, the third feast is the Feast of Tabernacles. And remember, uh, they were no longer wandering, but they were now home, a permanent home, the promised land. And the characteristics of the original Feast of Tabernacles, they were wandering and living in temporary homes and they were brought to their final home, the promised land. There they celebrated it during harvest season and also it was called the Feast of Trumpets. Now let me give you today. 
this feast has yet to be fulfilled. We are living on this temporary earth. We are strangers and aliens. The scripture says, this is not our home. We're just passing through. And then one day we will be brought to our final home in heaven, the promised land. Come on, what a great day that will be. Heaven is our home. There'll be a great, the Bible says, and you can read this in Revelation, there'll be a great final harvest. Do you realize the greatest harvest is yet to come? And I believe we'll see and experience part of it, if not all of it. Hey, understand we're seeing that today. The world is seeing a greater harvest than it's ever seen. You just don't hear about it. You might hear a little bit on Fox, but you hear it on CNN. <laughs> but anyway, so... But you don't hear about it. But more people are coming to Christ in today than at any other point in time in the history of the world. Three times more people are coming to Christ today that are even being born. It's, it's ahead of births on the planet. 6.9% of people are coming to Christ, as an increase rather, coming to Christ. More people are coming to Christianity than Islam, despite what you hear on the news. But we have yet to see the greatest revival of all. But the scripture says there will be a great harvest before the trumpet sounds. And then also it's the Feast of Trumpets. There will be a trumpet sound when Christ returns. First Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17 says this. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive will be, and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. Where will we be? Our home, our promised land. Amen? When the trumpet sounds. So understand that God had this plan. Passover, coming out and experiencing forgiveness of sin because Jesus paid the price, the perfect sacrifice. Embracing the Feast of Pentecost, being filled then with the spirit and power of God. Before we go to heaven, the trumpet sounds, there's a great harvest of souls to reach, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit present in our lives to reach them. We don't know when the trumpet's gonna sound, but we got a lot of work to do while we're here on the planet, agreed? So why why bring up all these feasts? That was interesting, but because it, it speaks to the necessity of the Holy Spirit and why he's so important. Let's take what we just talked about in the feast and look at Acts 1, 4 through 9. Acts 1, 4 through 9. On one occasion while he was eating, Jesus was eating with his disciples. We've read this. He gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, gift of the father he promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, with repentance, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, with power. For they gathered around him, or then they gathered around him and they asked, Lord, are you coming to restore your kingdom? Are you coming back? Are you coming to restore your kingdom at this time? He said to them, it's not for you to know the time or dates, nor does Jesus know. He's waiting for the Father to tell him that has been set by God's own authority. But you will receive, now listen, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses, say witnesses. You receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your city, and in all Judea, Samaria, your state, your nation, and the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid them from her sight. He spent 40 days preparing them for this event that was getting ready to happen, and then he ascended to heaven. What was he talking about? 
Understand the progression of the feast and this passage right here. He says, they had come to the water baptism, the baptism of repentance, which the Passover feast represented. And he says now, then you need to go up and wait for the feast of Pentecost. Embrace the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. Why do you need the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses? Because I've not come yet to establish my kingdom. And until I do, there's work that needs to be done here on the planet. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit because we want as many people to go to the Feast of Tabernacles with us. We want as many people, when that trumpet sounds, we want to take as many people from from earth to heaven as we possibly can. And he doesn't know, the Bible says Jesus doesn't know when God's coming again, but we know he sits at the right hand of the Father asking, is it today, God? Is it today, Daddy? Can I go get him now? Can I go get him? And God looks at him and says, not today, son, still people to be saved. Not today son, we want more to come on. Not today, son, let's wait. We want more to come to the knowledge of Christ. You know maybe what he's saying? Not yet, son, I'm pouring out my spirit on those people at Tree of Life Church so they can be empowered to win more people for Jesus. Not yet, son, I want more people walking in the fullness of who I am so that they can be a light in this dark world so when I do blow that trumpet and I say go get them, more people will go up to heaven than go down to hell. We don't know when it is, but we better not be asleep. Arise, awaken. We need the fullness of who God is and it's through the person and power of the Holy Spirit before the Feast of Tabernacles, before that trumpet sounds. It's all through Bible. Now we, we make a, a scary, goofy, weird thing out of something that's powerful and beautiful and amazing and wonderful because we don't understand it. But let's, let's go by what the Bible says, not, not what people say. And people skip right over, they skip right over Pentecost Okay, I get the Passover thing, and I, and I get the, the Jesus returning thing, but we skip right over Pentecost. Watch out for the Holy Ghost, people say. Have you ever someone say that? Watch out, watch out for that church. Watch out, they believe in the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't, the Holy Ghost, don't watch out for that. Watch out for that. It's not for today. It's not for today. It was only back then. It's really, it's crazy, spooky, goofy. Uh, don't go to that Holy Ghost church. And I would say it this way, and I don't mean any disrespect, but I say it this way. You mean that church that has been empowered by the Holy Spirit to win people for Christ so they don't go to hell? You mean that church that believes in embracing the person and power of the Holy Spirit so we can be a light in this darkness so more people will be ready when the trumpet is sounded and we go to heaven? You mean that church that has been empowered by the Holy Spirit to reach its city, its state, its nation, and the world? That's exactly where I want to go. That's exactly what I want to be a part of. That's exactly where I want to give my tithes and offerings. That's exactly where I want to serve. Because I don't know when that trumpet sounds, but I got family and friends that don't know Jesus, and I don't want them going to hell. And I've been reach, trying to reach out to them, and it's just not going anywhere. You know what? Maybe you need another dose of the Holy Ghost. Maybe you need an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And walk in the power then, the boldness and the power to be that witness. It's what it's for. I mean, you read the same scripture I read. I want my life to make a difference. I want to take as many people to heaven as I can before that trumpet sounds and we go experience the Feast of Tabernacles. We got some work to do and we need the Holy Spirit power to do it. And it's beautiful, it's powerful and Jesus wants to see Pentecost fulfilled in every single one of us. Can you still go to heaven without it? Absolutely. Yes, you can. It's not a heaven and hell issue. But this is for us while we're still here on the earth. It's a way for us to live. And when the day of Pentecost came, people didn't understand it back then either. They were confused and they'd walked and talked with Jesus. They sat around the the table and people heard the miracles, signs and wonders and they were still confused. Here's what it says, Acts 2, 12 through 13. Amazed and perplexed when they poured out on the... 
on the street after the Holy Ghost fell and they poured out on the street, the disciples did. And everyone, it says, gathered from all the nations were there and heard them speak in their own language through the Holy Spirit. And they say, what does this mean? And people are asking that question today. What does this mean? But they're not digging in to find out for themselves. They're taking a bad experience. They're, they're taking an abuse of something. They're, they're taking uh, the craziness of what other people have said, but I want you to see it for yourself. Because maybe you're sitting out there today and you're saying, what does this mean? And I'm not even asking you to take my word for it. So I'm going to great pains to build this case for you so you can make a decision for yourself because you have to have an answer to what does this mean? And not that you'll understand in its entirety, none of us do because we can't comprehend the vastness of God, but you can see in the scripture, if you're reading the same Bible I'm reading, God has set it forth for all of us from the beginning of time. What does this mean? And then, and then they face the same thing that you face today from people, which is why sometimes we just don't want to tell people. It says some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. They're crazy. And still people will, will make fun of people and they'll, and they'll do it. And it's the enemy trying to keep you from receiving something beautiful and amazing that God intended. And see, the devil works that way because, listen, number one, he doesn't want, to keep, he doesn't want you to go to heaven. But if he can't keep you out of heaven, he wants to keep you from living a life of victory and taking other people with you. And so he's created things and events and people that have created these packaging that, that scares us off. And all of a sudden, we've, we've turned something beautiful and something God never intended to be and we miss out. Well, how about a little heaven here on the earth while we're living here for that matter, right? And how about that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to take as many people to heaven as we can before that trumpet sounds when we go to that last feast? We need this, the Bible says. Maybe you're amazed and perplexed and asking, what does this mean? Great question, but, but don't mock it. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I get, I'm, a, I'm, I'm your, okay, I'm pastor, I'm your pastor, I, I, I can do this. I get offended sometimes that people mock it. It's like, you don't understand it then. This is beautiful. It's amazing. I mean, it's okay if you don't understand it, but, but don't make fun of it or keep anybody else from making a decision. Ask for me in my house. All right, there you go. I'm moving on now. Okay, simply puts to give you power. Hey, simply put, he wants to give you power. Let me, three ways the Holy Spirit will empower you. Number one, he empowers me to live righteously. Righteously. What does that mean? Remember what Pentecost was all about? Pentecost was all about a set of instructions on how to live. God took him to the bottom of the mountain took Moses up to the top and gave him 10 tablets and said, this is how I want you to live. Basically, he gave him a set of external rules that were impossible without a savior, impossible without a greater power. So the Holy Spirit is sent. And instead of giving you an external set of rules or laws to live by, he writes them on you. And God was going to take the old nature out of you and put a new nature in you, put a Holy Spirit in you, a new spirit in you. Acts 2.17 says this, Acts 2.17, in the last day, God says, I'll pour out my spirit, capital S, spirit of God, on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will see dreams. He says, there's a new way of living, I'll put something new in you. Prophecy, vision, dreams are God's way of saying, you're going to get it. You're going to understand how to live today. I'm going to help you. There's a new spirit in you. There's a new way to live. You'll understand things. There will be a new understanding. You'll understand what God is saying, what God is meaning, what God is speaking because the spirit in you. The Lord wants to give you a new desire. He wants to give you a new motivation. He wants to give you a distaste for sin. Come on. The Holy Spirit gives us a distaste for sin, a distaste for sin. You wonder what that, that, that conviction is, and I shouldn't do this, I know I should. The Holy Spirit's saying, don't do that. We don't want to do that. We don't need to do that anymore. That old man's been passed away. We experience the Passover, experience him filling the power of the Holy Spirit to help you live a life that you make better choices. 
to help you live in a way that you'll walk away from some of the habits, addictions, and sins that used to so easily beset us. We don't have the power to break through from those things for ourselves. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only in him, through him, and by him sometimes that we actually are able to walk in some of that freedom. Some of the things that easily pull us in. Maybe we need another dose of the Holy Ghost to have the courage to get free from some of those things. I, I wrote it this way. You, you go from the got to to the get to. I don't have to live that way. I get to live that way and experience the freedom and peace and joy that comes. Romans 8, 9 says this. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, spirit of God, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, you can make better choices. Yeah, the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Number two, the Holy Spirit, let me give you this one. He empowers me to live supernaturally. He empowers me to live supernaturally, meaning beyond my natural ability. God always intended for his people to live beyond their natural ability and understanding. He always intended that. His people were never to live or operate just by what they understood or what they can do in their own power. But yet too many of us do. Listen, again, he's greater than our understanding. We can live beyond the natural. Natural doesn't cut it. Natural doesn't cut it. We want God to move supernaturally in our lives. Listen, some of you, I know some of you are facing impossible circumstances in your life. I know some of you sitting here right now are facing impossible situations, and natural hasn't got you out of it. Natural hasn't got you anywhere, and it never will. You need desperately the power of God to move. We live in a world that we desperately need the power of God to move in our lives. We're facing things that we never, ever thought we'd face. We, we, we wonder where we got, how did we get there? And know this, God is a supernatural God and he still heals, he still delivers, he still saves, he still does miracles through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what the story is. I know the story for some of you. I've seen the prayer requests. I've had the discussions. I'm standing and agreeing with some of you. You desperately need supernatural power, the power of the Holy Spirit to get beyond where you are today. And if you're not that place, you've been there desperate or you'll be there one day. Listen, that's why God sent the Holy Spirit for everyone. So we can develop that relationship with the power of God. Let me ask this question. And obviously, not, don't raise your hand, but I think it's a powerful question. Is there anyone in this room that wants to serve a powerless God? Anyone? Anyone anyone get up this morning, coming to church, thinking it's fun serving a powerless God? Can I tell you, I'd have have stayed in bed. I I don't come to serve and engage a powerless God. I desperately need his power working in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my body, in my mind, in my relationships. We want to serve a powerful God. Amen? The problem is a lot of us have been turned off by the way some have packaged it. But I say this, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can serve a God who has power and not walk in all the crazy stuff. I like to think that I do. I don't know, maybe you think I'm a little crazy. I think we need a little crazy sometimes, but I don't think I'm crazy. We can have the power of God and not all the crazy stuff. Acts 2.19 says this. I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Signs and wonders. God is a sign and wonder, miracle working God. Signs, wonders, and miracles. You know what a wonder is? Something happens and you wonder how in the world did that ever happen? Come on, I need some of that. I need to live in wonder in my life. 
I don't need an exp- explanation. I'd wonder how you did that, God, but uh, you don't need to tell me. I'm great. I'm good. We need that operating in our lives. That's the God that we serve, and the Holy Spirit power enables us to walk in that power. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to live a supernatural life, and we need it now more than ever. We need that in our marriages, lives, bodies, finances, relationships. We need it. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. Listen to this, Paul. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. I can do that. Paul's one of the most educated people. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Goes on to say this. So that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul's saying, listen, I can argue with the best of them, but you know what? An argument does not change your life. There's always somebody with a better argument. But you know what trumps an argument every single time? The power of God. A miracle trumps an argument every single time. A sign trumps an argument. A wonder trumps an argument. And Paul says, listen, I can debate you all day long. We can talk about what you want to talk about, what's politically correct and what, whatever, whatever, what they're saying today. It doesn't, but the power of God is what we need to change our life. An argument won't ever do it. But nothing trumps an outpouring or expression of the power of God. Some of us are dealing with things that no church can give you, no man can give you, no pastor, no preacher can give you, no spouse can give you. You need the power of God to move in your life and your situation. Embrace Pentecost. It doesn't have to come with all the crazy stuff. God wants to empower you to live righteously and supernaturally, and then I need to close with this last one. Finally, he empowers me to fulfill his mission. The Holy Spirit empowers us to fulfill God's mission. Can I just say this? At the real heart of the power of the Holy Spirit is 3,000 people getting saved in one day. Souls. It's all about souls. Listen, the Holy Spirit, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we get hung up on the thing about, about are they drunk as wine? These aren't drunk as you suppose. And all that. You know what? That's not the heart of what happened that day. The heart of what happened that day was after Peter preached because the boldness of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. Listen, it's not about, it's not for a believer's personal entertainment. I don't care what happens on late night TV. The heart of it's not for a believer's personal entertainment. It's not for a Christian to have Holy Ghost goosebumps. Although I like them as much as anybody else does. (laughs) But it's not the heart behind it. He wants to empower you to bring a message to a lost, a dying, a confused, a messed up, an evil, dark world. It's all about people coming to Christ. The heart of the Holy Spirit is all about people coming to Christ. Listen to what Peter says in Acts 2, 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. Paul says this, "Because because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you. He says, I brought the Holy Spirit and its power was present and it convicted us to follow Christ. Do you know why people follow Christ? Not because of the sermon, not because of the music, not because of the video, because they were drawn, the Bible says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws people to Christ. That's the heart of the Holy Spirit. Why do you need the Holy Spirit power? So that you have the courage to be the witness God wants you to be so that you can walk in the fullness of who God is and your light can shine so brightly that people living in darkness will be drawn and attracted by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they will come then and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles one day in heaven with all of us who already know the Lord. Amen? That's the heart of the Holy Spirit. Let's be a person. Let's be a church that 
It's open to the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Let me give you what Pentecost is. Pentecostal. Let me give you what Pentecost is. Pentecost is about empowering believers with a supernatural ability to fulfill an important mission. It's as simple as that. What we've made it to be, what scared us off, what's been packaged, how it's been packaged, it's simply this. Empowering believers with supernatural ability to fulfill an important mission, to seek and save the lost. The Holy Spirit wants everyone to have that supernatural ability. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you with that ability so you can make a difference in this world today. So let me close with this scripture, Acts 2, finishing out this passage here. So what do I do with this? Acts 2, 38, 39 says, as Peter replied, because they asked the same question, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, the baptism of repentance, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. Well, it's not for me. Come on, it's for the disciples. It's for the apostles. Come on, I've heard that teaching. It's for the people back then. It's not for today. It was for the establishment of the New Testament church. Well, let me just read the scripture for you. The promise is for you and for your children and your children's children and your children's children's children and your children, 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 children. And so the Bible wouldn't be so huge we couldn't carry it around. This is what the Holy Spirit wrote. And for all who are far off, all, say all. The Holy Spirit's for everyone, whether you were born in that day and that moment right there and that happening, or whether you're born today, tomorrow, or into the future, however long the Lord tarries, it's for everyone that draws a breath on this planet. That's what the Bible says. And my heart, my hope today was to help bring some more clarity, some more understanding to the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And what Acts 2.38, what do you do with it? If you're not saved, get saved. Give Jesus your life, but don't stop there. That's just the starting point. It's not just for the book of Acts. It's for everyone. Receive the Holy Spirit. Don't push him back. Don't deny him. Don't run from him. Receive him. It's a beautiful, wonderful, amazing gift of God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.